2: And it is a delight to welcome back to the Airwaves an old friend of mine and a great and important scholar and voice on some of the most important issues of the day and that is Steve Emerson the founder and executive director of the Investigative Project you can uh, go to their website for more information easy enough investigativeproject.org Steve welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix
1: Good to be with
2: you, Seth. Steve, I was just reflecting before we called you how long I have been following you. And the first time I met you was in Phoenix in 1985 with your American House of Sod book that's what's 33 years ago something like no, that no <laughs> don't remind me god <laughs> almighty yes i have i have known and been a follower and and student of yours for that long so and it's good to talk to you and catch up with you again so many issues surrounding um, surrounding Ooh. the things that uh, we both care about and uh, this issue of Ilan Omar, and it is, is an issue, has, uh, has been perplexing me for a long time. Her comments, her statements, her tweets, the coddling by the Democratic Party of her, and the pushback against any criticism, legitimate criticism of her, uh, point of view. Most recently, uh, you guys, uh, at the Investigative Project uncovered a tweet she had, which was uh, a Blame America First tweet about uh, the Black Hawk Down incident. I wonder if you might say a word or two about that.
1: Sure. I mean, it's it's, it's typical of her ideological bent against the United States. Uh, back in 1993, the United States was involved in, in the Battle of Mogadishu um, in Somalia uh we we had to go in because uh, on on a humanitarian mission because of warlords who had taken over the city uh, and were killing uh, civilians indiscriminately uh and were actually attacking humanitarian missions so the US sent in uh, a inserted a mission of delta and uh and rangers um and actually they were attacked um, by uh, a warlord uh mohammed uh um, and uh, 19 of our of our soldiers were were slaughtered uh some of them actually butchered in the streets of Mogadishu um, and it was a humanitarian mission uh that was actually authorized by the United Nations um a tweet was uh, issued by um a, a veteran of that war um who basically reminded just you know in uh, in 2017 basically uh reminiscing about the fact that this was a, a butchering of uh, 19 American soldiers one of the largest uh, number of American soldiers to be killed on a humanitarian mission in one day. Um, And uh, Ilana Omar... uh, um responded in a tweet basically saying, uh, uh, Select her tweet, she responded by saying in 2017 that uh, he forgets to mention the thousands of Somalis killed by American forces that day.
2: As if we were the criminal, as if we were the wrongdoer, as if America as if, was and to and blame here.
1: Hashtag not today, Satan.
2: That is so weird, not today's Satan, as if we're the as great as Satan, as right? As if
1: we were Satan. Right. And... One, there were not thousands of Somalis killed. Number two, uh, at most, there were maybe several hundred killed. And, And two, those that were killed were operating on behalf of the warlord who were actually trying to, who were killing Somali citizens and killing Americans. They could have walked away. They didn't have to be involved in killing Americans and killing Somali citizens. Uh, they were terrorists. Uh, that's the definition of a terrorist, kill, kill, killing civilians for the sake of killing them. Um and uh, all she did was basically accuse the United States of being Satan-like and killing and exaggerating the number of Somalis who were killed that day uh, as if they were innocent uh, and that, which they weren't um, which was typical of her uh, ideological bent again of uh, blaming America um, uh, and siding with terrorists.
2: yeah thats what done, th- that's what I, done done I don't understand because like. this was an example, yet another example, of the multiple number of times U.S. armed forces have been called on to go into a Muslim country to help Muslims. She sees America as the problem. I mean, you know, any number of times, I, th- I think almost exclusively when we deploy in the last 20 years our military, it's been on behalf of other Muslims. And yet she turns it on the United States as if we're, in her words, Satan.
1: Right, she turned the whole thing around as if we were the evil ones who were invading uh, just in in an attempt to slaughter Muslims. But in fact, it was an authorized mission, a humanitarian mission, to rescue Somali citizens. She herself was rescued and came to the United States because of American intervention.
2: Right right
1: um and that 's the irony here, and yet she accused the united states uh, Amer- uh, army uh, armed forces of being the ones who uh, intervened to kill Somali citizens uh, just for the for the hell of it um, again uh, it, it 's as typical of her of her uh, of her previous tweets, basically uh, minimizing Islamic terrorism, uh, blaming America uh... being anti-semitic in her other tweets, and as you correctly pointed out um, no one in the democratic party has been willing to challenge her not one person not one democrat at all no one in leadership no one at all in the regular uh... party structure has been willing to say You're wrong, Congresswoman Omar. Um, They refused to even do that after she had made anti-Semitic comments. There was a proposed resolution in the House of Representatives, and it was uh, for her blatant anti-Semitism. I mean, uh, technically case of anti-semitism, and yet they took her name out of the resolution, so they wouldn't have to name her as being a perpetrator of of anti-semitism. So the Democrats have have basically, uh, you know, as I say, blood on their hands. Um, They've been protecting her. Uh, They've allowed her anti-Americanism, anti-semitism to infect the Democratic Party. Um, and it's been uh, infected in, in with with a poison that is is so vile that I never thought that I would you know be around to actually ever watch or you know view the Democratic party being poisoned from within to see it like this uh, and and yet. It's so blatant what she's doing in terms of her anti-American hatred uh, and her support for radical Islam that you would think there would be somebody in the Democratic Party leadership that would stand up and say, You're wrong, Congresswoman Omar. Uh, You're wrong on terms of what you say about Israel, what you say about Jews, what you say about uh, uh, Americans no one is saying a word.
2: It's such an odd thing to see, Steve. I am with you. I sit here with my jaw on the floor watching this transpire. I said the other day that Ilhan Omar will either be the end of or the future of the Democratic Party. Uh, the way the Democrats like Bernie Sanders and her fellow congressmen are standing up to her, looks like she's the future. I mean, the Democratic Party has played footsie with this since the 80s, first with Jesse Jackson, then with Hal Sharpton, then with Louis Farrakhan. Now we're at Ilhan Omar, someone who Literally defends terrorism and literally blames the United States for it, and no adults in the Democratic Party will say anything about her. I think they have made their bet and placed their money on the table, and she is the future of their party.
1: Uh, You know, sadly and and outrageously, you're right, Um, and and it's it's they're they're becoming uh, they're transforming themselves into the UK Labour Party. Yeah. Which which has become a a, a poisonous anti-Semitic, anti-Western uh, 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 political party in in the United Kingdom, um, led by uh, you know a notorious anti-Semite Jeremy Corbyn, um, they, and we're following. Quickly in their footsteps by the silence of the Democratic leadership, and you're right. Bernie Sanders is 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 quickly following in her footsteps, defending her, and even making comments that are almost similar.
2: Yeah, that's exactly comments. right, Steve. In a way, it's not much of a surprise when you look at her narrative and the narrative of the left generally in America and the Democratic Party as it's moved ever. Leftward, where it really has become a blame America first party and a blame the West first party, Uh, a a party and a movement of, um, I think, something you once called preemptive cultural surrender. Uh, We have given in. We have given in to the narrative of our enemies, at least one of our major political parties has. And they don't know really how to come out of it because they like that narrative. They like the narrative. That the rest of the world good, America bad. Unfortunately, uh, the rest of the world includes the kinds of people Ilan Omar plays footsie with. Isn't that right?
1: You're a hundred percent right, Seth. I mean, this is the sickness of the left, um, and 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 it's pervaded uh, the United States, and not just uh, the Democratic Party, but the the mainstream media too. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you see it on on MSNBC. You see it on CNN. Um, you see it in the New York Times routinely. Uh, New York Times, uh, the, uh, you know, just last week defended uh, a BDS and boycott, divestment, uh, sanction movement. Uh, that's the movement to destroy Israel. Uh, when the United States uh, denied a visa to the leader of the bds movement who was trying to come here uh... from 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 israel um, uh, one of the colonists, you know lambasted the united states for it's assault on free speech for denying the visa to someone who is a blatant anti-semite who's trying to strangle the economy of israel um... so the new york times has been involved in in, in this Promoting this narrative, uh, and and also the, by the way, defending Elon Omar, right. just like the regular uh, Democratic cohorts of Elon Omar has have been doing uh, since she's been in Congress for the last few
2: years. Of course, Steve, this narrative of hers, this narrative of the radical left that backs her up, it couldn't operate in a vacuum where the thought that radical Islam is not a threat. Didn't exist. In other words, Americans have become pretty numb, I think, or uh, if you will, have fallen asleep on the threat of radical Islam. And when you're asleep on that threat, a voice like hers may not shock as many people as it would have, oh, I don't know, in 2002, 2003. But the threat has not gone away, has it? I mean, we don't need Sri Lanka to remind us that the threat is big and out there and in here, too, isn't it, Steve?
1: The threat is here, the uh, threat has not gone away, as you pointed out, and it's not just a threat. You know, people associate radical Islam only in terms of terrorism. Right. There's a political threat. Yes. It's a threat. It's a, an assault on our free speech. The fact that you can't even use the term radical Islam, yeah. um, or unless you be accused of being an Islamophobe. Sure. Um, you know is is it's such an assault on our first amendment and and yet this is part of the narrative that the left uh, promotes um, in terms of trying to silence critics of radical islam um, even you know, look at the tweets put out by Hillary Clinton and Obama in terms of the reaction to to, to the Sri Lanka bombing. Right. They wouldn't say attacks on Christians. Right. They talked about uh, 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 East. Uh, you know.
2: Uh, People going to Easter worship. Right. Right. Easter service. They services. wouldn't
1: say Christians. I right. Mean, that's that's the fact. Uh, you know, and and in fact today in, in Al Jazeera. Uh, accused anybody who mentioned the names of the bombers in Sri Lanka as being Islamophobic. Yes. Uh, and and that and that sort of typifies the type of left-wing narrative that we see in the West. Um, and so the fact is, it's not just ISIS, it's not just um, you know Al Qaeda, uh, and it's not just the Middle East. It's Europe, and it's here in the United States. Just in the last 24 hours, uh, two Midwesterners were arrested for their support for ISIS uh, on conspiracy to try to bomb Americans here in the United States. Um, thank God that the FBI is, is been so uh, uh, fantastically up to speed in terms of infiltrating these groups. You know, we're sort of a victim of our own success. The fact that the FBI has interrupted so many plots. Mm-hmm. The American public doesn't get to see the fact that we're so perilously close to getting killed uh, by these by the by the success of these plots that are that are interrupted uh, by the FBI. Um, and the fact is that that if you talk about it, you end up getting accused of being racist. I mean that that's the assault on free speech that's, that's associated with the issue of how radical Islam has affected our lives in the United States. So, you know, it's all-encompassing. I see it when, you know in, in my own life in terms of how I've been accused of being an Islamophobe only because I've talked about radical Islam, as if I'm accusing all Muslims of being terrorists. Far from it. I make a big distinction between regular Muslims and, and radical Islamists, uh, always. And I always promote moderate Muslims like Zudi Jasser, who who is there in Phoenix, uh, a courageous Muslim who served in the U.S. Navy, or Asra Nomani, an incredible Muslim woman who speaks out against Elon uh, Omar and other radical uh, Islamists. So. so they're, they're, There are are wonderful Muslim uh, spokespersons who are courageous and moderate that need to be promoted and are out there. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Seth, they're dismissed by the mainstream media as if they're, quote, Uncle Tom's.
2: Yeah, it's a weird thing. It, it's such a weird thing. They denounce the zudi Jassers of the world. He's a regular guest host of mine and a dear friend. He is, uh, you know, he's, he's denounced by the mainstream media as an Islamophobe in such an odd way when we are the ones who put the word radical in front of the word Islam. Uh, we are making the distinction. We clearly are the ones making the distinction. And they don't want to hear it because they don't want to see it. And what is it they don't want to hear and see. They don't want to hear and see that there is a strain in Islam, radical Islam, that will commit terrorist acts and does want to put the United States asunder. Um, I suppose if they can wipe away those who are the truth tellers, they never have to confront the truth. We have about twenty seconds left, Steve.
1: I think you said it perfectly. That if they can wipe away the truth, they don't have to face the narrative of, of what's really going on. And that's why they, they, they basically try to neutralize uh, people like Zudi Jasser, who you, who you wonderfully have on your show. Yeah, you bet. Um, but, you, but, but the point is, as you point out, there is a strain in Islam that's radical. Yep. And, and that has to be wiped out. And that's what we're facing. And we've been facing it now for decades. And it still hasn't been wiped out. And it's it, the Israeli. Have been facing it since uh, their, the creation of the state back in 1948. We've been facing it since 9/11, um, and if we, we if we don't face it, we're only going to be faced with more attacks like we did on 9/11. Uh, and if we don't face and condemn Elon Omar. and and stop that left-wing narrative from basically pervading our our own uh, environment, Um, we're going to make radical Muslims safe in the
2: United States. Gosh, Steve Emerson, leave it right there. God bless you. Thank you, Steve Emerson.
1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy.